You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 195, Feng Shui FAQ. Welcome to episode 195 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach feng shui online at mindfuldesignschool.com. Check us out. Make sure you sign up for our mailing list. We have special workshops and opportunities only for our newsletter subscribers. And if you didn't know, Laura and I teach an online feng shui certification program. So we hope to see you in that sometime soon. So for this episode, Laura and I thought we would talk about some of our most frequently asked feng shui questions. And I bet all of you may have had one of these questions cross your mind at some time. So I, you know, I think this will be a fun topic, right, Laura? Yeah, I uh, went back and started thinking about questions that we receive uh, over and over again. So repeats, obviously, it's the things that people think about most. Angie, I know you get them when you do your IG lives, too. You probably have a few in there. And some of them, now that I think about it, some of these questions are probably for people that know a little bit about feng shui. So they they have been following us or they've been reading things on the internet and now they have questions. So it's usually, if you've never ever heard of feng shui, usually the first question is what is feng shui? Or they think they know what feng shui is and they assume it's it's just about, you know, moving furniture around and that kind of stuff. So I think I pulled questions, put together a list of questions that maybe are for people that have started searching on the internet and maybe got a little confused. Yeah, well, you know, we could start with that question, what is feng shui? Mm, okay, you want to answer that one? Sure. So <laughs> if someone asked me, what is feng shui? I would say that, well, I would say a lot of different things, but what comes to mind right now is feng shui is an ancient modality that comes from China. <laughs> and it is a way of looking at your space and see the flow of energy in your spaces to begin to connect what's happening on your inside, like your inner life, your inner environment, and see how that can be affected by and harmonized with your outer environment, your outside, like your home or your house or your land or even just your bedroom. So... The words feng shui literally translate to wind and water. Feng is wind and shui is water. So the whole term is the proper way to describe feng shui is to say feng shui because that's how it's said in China. And that's like probably the most cultural appropriate way to, to address this. And it does come from China. And that would lead me to another question that you can answer, Laura. Okay, what's that? What is this like map that I see everywhere where the feng shui bagua, what is that? Right, so the bagua is a, it's a tool, but it's also a divination method. So it's both and it is practiced and used. It's, it is used this way of reviewing or viewing the world and or a space is used by all forms of feng shui. And it is 
based on trigrams from the I Ching, and they have been placed in a particular order that it's consistent. So these trigrams picture a grid, because that's what we're, it's easier. Just picture a grid. And in those grids are, there's nine total areas. In the center, you have what's called the Tai Chi. It's not actually an area, it's the center. But around that, you have eight areas or guas. Gua means directions. So you have eight different areas that have different symbolism, significance, and insight for when you want to learn something about what is going on with a situation. So it is a divination tool and feng shui practitioners use it to review a lot of things, mostly we're familiar with them reviewing a home or a property. By laying this map, this invisible map, this metaphysical map on top of whatever space and to see what is revealed based on each gua. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you so much, Feng <laughs> You're welcome. expert, Laura. You're welcome. Okay, wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah, why don't we go back and forth? Okay. I'm going to, and it's not even on our list here. How many different kinds of feng shui is there? What do you mean feng, types of feng shui? So there's dozens of schools of feng shui, just like there's dozens of flowers in the world, right? So there can be a flower, like a definition of a flower, but there's many different types of flowers. Or you could say like there's dozens of bread recipes and they're all slightly different. There's many, many different schools of feng shui, and the one that Laura and I teach and practice from is called the BTB school, and it's also called Black Sect. There's also other schools that are not what we teach. Those schools are, for instance, um, the Western school of feng shui, or the, the compass schools, or the classical schools, or flying form. star, or the form schools. All of these schools use the same Bagua map. They use the same five elements. The Bagua map and the five elements come from China and our Taoist concepts. What may change, oh, and they also all use the concept of qi or life force energy, as well as other modalities, for instance, like the I Ching, Chinese medicine, martial arts. So the difference is maybe the application. And so one thing that stands out as a difference with the BTB school is we may lay the Bagua differently than other schools. But if you're interested in that, we would invite you to, instead of looking at it as super confusing, but just, we would, we always tell our students, go with who you resonate with as a teacher and see what school they follow. And and if you can stick to one boat or else you just get really confused. Yeah, agreed. I like to think of it too as almost like when you start your yogi journey, like if you want to start practicing yoga and you know nothing and you go to the nearest yoga studio and you start practicing it and then you had no idea that it was, I don't know, Kripalu or I, you know, Ashtanga, you had no idea. You just started practicing it. And then you, you know, it's revealed that there are many forms of, of yoga, but again, it all takes you to the same place. And so I would say the same thing for feng shui, how you get there might differ, but it's the end goal that is important. Uh, okay. Do you have another question for me? Would you pick a question? Yeah. So why don't we just go back and forth? So okay. Laura, can you tell me 
Is a cactus a bad feng shui plant? Uh, I will say it depends. We love saying that, but probably veer toward the answer being no, it's not a bad plants. I, in my mind, plants can never be bad if they're healthy and they're thriving, but you know, you can choose how to use, if you are using it as a feng shui adjustment, you know, there are specific ways you can use it. For instance, if you also have pointy, sharp plants near the front of the house, when you come in, that's not great. But having said that, sometimes I've seen beautiful applications in the right kind of setting. So, you know, semi-arid, desert-type beautiful homes that are very arid. And it's really the only way you can have greenery, right, in some of these areas. So you have to think about the situation. But if you want to do it in your own home, it's, you know, it's maybe nice to have them on a desk or near your computer. They are really great for breaking up negative chi and for using that prickliness to, I, I see them as creating almost like a boundary for you to protect you from stuff that comes at you. So in my mind, I think they're really valuable that way. And then there's different schools of thought on whether or not you should put them in the area, you know, your kun area, which is the love and relationships area of your home. You know, some people think that, oh, well, then you might, maybe you're being really prickly in a relationship and you're not, you know, not people don't, aren't, aren't able to get close to you type thing. So it's, it's a plant that can be used in many ways. Don't be scared of it. Don't ever be scared of plants. And if you're at all nervous, then keep it really simple and just use it on your desk or use it in a place where you feel you might need a little bit of a boost energetically. That's what I would say. Okay. okay. Next question. Next question. Let me see. What am I going to ask you? Mm. Should I ask you your favorite question or should I? Yeah, I'm hundred percent going to ask you this question because I think you answered about a thousand times. I think you've answered it a thousand times. I'm pretty sure that's the number. Are dried flowers bad feng shui? So thank you for asking that question, Laura. <laughs> so it's very similar to your answer to, to cactus, but it depends because I would recommend that if you are using something for a feng shui adjustment, the purpose of bringing in flowers, what the way that our teacher taught it is to bring in life energy. So if you were going to intentionally use a flower for a feng shui adjustment, I would intentionally use a non-dried flower. That said, if you just have dried flowers around your house, it's not great either. But if you love it, that's okay. We're not the feng shui police here. And when we work with people individually, we'll go through that with each person individual. So it's on a case by case basis. But I would say 100%, if you are going to use a flower as a feng shui adjustment, I would use a real flower that is alive. And then if that doesn't work for you, if you can't get them, then just don't, don't use the flower. And dried flowers, like, sure, we ha I have lavender in my home somewhere. And I have dried flowers or chamomile, I have chamomile tea in my cabinet. So no, not all dried flowers are bad feng shui. And like, you can absolutely have chamomile tea in your kitchen. Is there anything you want to add, Laura? 
Chamomile tea is good feng shui. <laughs> is there anything I want to add? No. I, you, well, I want, you know, you know how I feel about dried flowers. I'm way behind the times when it comes to dried flowers. Apparently they're all, they're all hot. I have a personal aversion to dried flowers because when I was in the nineties, when I was working at a flower shop, the dried flower, dried flower engines were really hot and really popular. And they were like all of these roses that looked like they just were giant dust collectors with like roses and baby's breath dried and like, and it was like, looked like a Laura Ashley dress, like just preserved. It was anyway. So that's my association with it. So I'm not, I'm never the right person to ask this question for, but you, you gave a good answer. Okay. Uh, do you have a question for me? Do you have another? Yeah. So Laura, yes, what Angie? do I do if I have a toilet in my wealth area? Well, you don't need to move out. Although, wouldn't that be funny if I said that was it, full stop, you got to move. No, you don't need to move out. Toilets have to go somewhere. Bathrooms have to go somewhere. It, It's, you know, it's the way it is. And we should first just step back and think about what was a bathroom and a toilet like when feng shui first, you know, came on the scene thousands and thousands of years ago. It's not exactly what we have today. So it's not a, a hole in the earth they're beautiful. They're, you know, they're usually these, you know, sanctuaries that we can go to. So first off, I would say, love your bathroom and enjoy your bathroom and, you know, make it beautiful, whatever that means for you. Because uh, toilets, the reason people get, you know, a little worried is because toilets are also have that strong sucking motion to, to take water away from the house, right? So it depletes your wealth area. So that is what we would say as feng shui consultants. But if you can mitigate that by making your bathroom lovely, adding plants, adding the wood element, because that drinks the water that pulls, you know, the energy up, you can add the earth element because that slows water down. So there's lots of ways that you can adjust it really in simple ways that you can do today. Like just put a, put a plant on the back of the toilet, you know, toilet tank for now, or put an image of greenery, like kind of flowing upwards and visualize that the water is being pulled up with the tree rather than going down the drain. Now, if you feel that there's way more issues and problems, then you might need to work with a consultant which is fine, you know, and that might be worth it for you to, to really dive deeply into what this toilet and bathroom in your wealth area means on a bigger scale, right? When you look at the whole house and the whole situation. I'm going to ask you a part B because it's kind of the same question. Mm -hmm. What if the toilet is in your love corner? It's actually in feng shui, in BTB feng shui and black sack feng shui, we actually see different guas having different levels of depletion, you know, when it comes to bathrooms. So for instance, wealth, not great, but uh, love and partnerships is actually not that bad. I know a lot of people will immediately think, oh my God, my love life's in the toilet. And sometimes when you think that, or that is maybe that is telling you something, maybe you do want to make a change. But the beauty is, is that it's very easy to correct that because the love area or kun, as it's called, is earth. It's an earth gua. And it is used to receiving things that are, you know, 
without getting graphic, you can do the math. And so it has the ability to handle that. But you can also energetically or intentionally, so let's say you are like, oh my gosh, my love life is in the toilet. Well, then what can you do to shift that? Spend some time, you know, adding, you know, the earth elements to that bathroom that's in Kun or add, you know, just make it beautiful. Spend some time, change the, the towels you have in there, clean it, you know, you know, add some beautiful artwork, change it. If you instantly, if it resonated with you going, oh my God, my love life's in the toilet. Feng Shui has the ability to give you tools or feel empowered to take that area and make it beautiful, make your love life beautiful again. That's what I would say. Okay, thank you. One more. Am I going to ask you what is one feng shui tip that you should that they should do? Yes, that's one question I get a lot. What is one feng shui tip that I should do? So if I know nothing about you and you ask me this, I would say that one feng shui tip that everyone can do is take a look at your front door to your home doesn't matter if you live in a shared situation, doesn't matter if you live in a house, doesn't matter if you live in an apartment, look at the front door of your house or your apartment. And then you can just take some time and make sure that you're setting yourself up to receive the most opportunities, the best that you can receive in terms of chi from the outside world, because in feng shui, we call the front door the mouth of chi, and that's where all the energy comes to you. It's like the portal of energy. So you can make sure that you can open the door all the way. There's not a, there's not clutter preventing the door from opening a full 90 degrees. You want to make sure that the doorbell is in working order, that it's easy to find, that um, there's a door number on it. Like I recently went to an apartment where I couldn't figure out which way the apartment was because there was no apartment number on it. So you want to have good identification because if I can't find your front door, then the chi can't either. Or a good way to think about it is if you have like a delivery if the delivery always the deli delivery people or friends always have a problem finding your front door, then you might want to improve the signage or improve the chi. And then you can also do something super simple and clean your front door with some intention today. Excellent. Okay. You have one question for me? Yeah, I have one more question for you or okay. actually well, one, one question for you, then one question for you have one more question for me, right? On the list. I do. Okay. Laura, I've heard all about fountains and feng shui. Mm. Can you tell me where I should place a fountain, a water fountain? Okay. If you are a water fountain person, a soda fountain would be good. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say a water fountain. That's true soda because street. you have a soda street fountain. No, a, a, a decorative water feature or a fountain. We do get this question a lot and they can be used as feng shui adjustments if that is your intention. I would say to keep it simple, two areas. One, if you are able to figure out the bagua and if not, you might have to work with someone to do this. You'll want to put it in the career area flowing toward the house. Okay. Generally outside of the house is better. 
you know, indoor fountains and water features are okay. It depends on the feature, how much, you know, how fast it's moving, et cetera. But yeah, indoor features are okay. Again, keeping it to con, which is career, which is water gua. That's usually a really great place. The other place would be if let's say again, it's outside and you want to put it in your backyard, maybe in the back far left corner of your backyard which is wealth, which is the wealth gua shun, and have that water again flowing toward the house. So the most important thing takeaway is if you do have a water feature outside, point it toward the house so that the water's flowing toward the house. Also, if you don't want to figure out where Khan is or career, you could just have it outside your front door and again, have it flowing toward the front door. Just all those things that Angie just said about the front door, Water is resources, opportunities flowing at you. You know, it could be career opportunities. It could be all these things, you know, coming towards you. So if you're going to put a fountain out front, just imagine that those are all coming towards your front door and into your home. Okay. Last but not least. Last but not least. How does one get good feng shui advice for their home? The best way to get good feng shui advice for your home is to hire a graduate from the mindful design <laughs> feng shui school oh and my hire, God. hire exactly. them for a consultation so if yes. you have gone around in circles listened to lots of podcasts read a lot of books have no idea or are still really confused that means that you're ready to take it beyond a diy and have an expert mm -hmm. come in and we have so many excellent feng shui consultants from our they're graduates from our Mindful Design Feng Shui School. So you can visit mindfuldesignschool.com and click on the consultant link. And we have so many graduates and mm -hmm. they're available all over the world and also available by Zoom or by virtual. You know, virtual. Mm -hmm. So we definitely encourage you to support those healers out there support the feng shui consultants out there and when you send your support and you put your energy in it that's when it comes back to you yeah and i would actually add one little thing uh, we've actually had a bunch of people you know do consultations with some grads because they're also curious a little bit curious about becoming feng shui consultants and like learning a little bit about the program and it's a pretty good way to find out what the program's like to, to see what you actually learn right so we've had a couple of people come to the program because they actually had a consultation with one of our grads so that's a little bonus if you are are toying with the idea of um, learning this as a practice Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can listen every Monday for a new episode. And if you like our podcast in this episode, please share it with others. Subscribe, leave a review. You can always support the podcast by checking out our Feng Shui Practitioner Certification course, where you can learn to become a Feng Shui Consultant. And we also have different mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. If you'd like to hear more about feng shui and mindful design, be sure to sign up for our mailing list. You can go to mindfuldesignschool.com, scroll down to the bottom and sign up for our mailing list. And we also have it in the show notes. We would love to see you in your inbox every week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.